Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey, youth pastors, it's Mark. Welcome back to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. Today, we're wrapping up the parable of the lost son by looking at the second son and heather's gonna lead us through um that guy i gave her the bad son (laughs) when we divided it up anyways it makes sense (laughs) it totally makes sense well hey friends so i want you to think about something with me for a second i want you to think about when have you ever felt super jealous of somebody i remember years ago when i was in high school i have a twin sister and both she and i played sports and were very active in athletics. And at the end of our senior year, during the senior awards banquet, they would pass out these different awards. And one of the awards was athlete of the year. Okay. And this only went to a senior and it was, you know, an athlete who had outstanding character or who, you know, was a good athlete, right. And excelled in all of the sports that they excelled in. And, um, my sister, got the athlete of the year. And instead of being happy for her, I just sat there in my seat, just kind of inwardly stewing about how I should have gotten athlete of the year. Right? Like I'm thinking to myself, well, wait, you know, my pitching record was this, this was my ERA. Like I always was medalist in golf. Like what the junk, you know, like I, I should have been athlete of the year. This is mine. I worked harder. I did all the right things. I, 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 me, me, me. And, you know, truth be told, if I could be really honest, uh, unfortunately, that attitude, although it was maybe a little bit more refined by Jesus, definitely carried itself into my ministry career those first few years where I would become very jealous of people who, you know, the kids liked more or who maybe got to preach at large conferences and things like that. And I would think to myself, I'm like, well, what about, I'm right? Like I would constantly be in my head about how great I was and how I deserved to be in the spot that they were in. And this is what we see in the parable of the lost son with the second son. And this is the type of attitude that Jesus literally goes after with those religious leaders that we see that he's talking to in Luke chapter 15. So were you a better athlete than your sister? I mean, here's the honest <laughs> truth. So, <laughs> at some things, yes. At other things, no. But, right you know, I, I went through a tough time my senior year where I went, I struggled with depression and an eating disorder yeah. and things like that. And so my athleticism mm-hmm. really kind of tanked my senior year. And so I think, honestly, it was yeah. more anger over the fact that I knew that I wasn't in a healthy place and I kind of screwed sure. myself over. Right? And so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times we take our anger that is really directed towards ourselves, and we try to push it on other people. And that's not yeah. healthy either. Yeah. You know, I told, I told a group of leaders that just the other day. Well, I didn't tell them. We were having a discussion together. And I said, a lot of times the thing that you can't stand in another leader is actually mirroring something in yourself. Right? It's so, so like, true. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so true. Or mirroring something in yourself that you don't like about yourself or that you're angry about from the past or something like that. Right. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, so this is what we see in 
the parable of the lost son in the second half where Jesus is talking to and directing his attention really towards those religious leaders. Mark did a super sweet job last week, helping us see how Jesus was mapping the parable in helping restore dignity and life and purpose into the people of the land and did that through his communication with the lost son returning home and how Jesus says, Hey, let's throw a party, you know, and brings out the very best for that lost son. And so in the second half, we are going to map the parable as Jesus looks at the religious leaders. So it says here in verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So as we learned last week, Mark already taught us that the context of the situation is Jesus is addressing those religious leaders and he's addressing their hearts as he always was. And so do you imagine like, do you imagine Heather him like, okay, so he told this like, poignant story where even the hardest heart had to be like well it is great that the son came back right and then sure. you imagine him just like turning and looking straight at these guys <laughs> and he's like meanwhile or yeah by the way there was an older son <laughs> that is a pretty sweet thing to think about that like jesus would have like literally turned towards your religious leaders and been like Shoo, right this is the kind of stuff that got him in trouble and that makes yeah. me love him like do you know when i was a kid like as a junior, senior in high school, I had tons of anger just over being little and, uh, um, over just things not being in control for me. Right. And I think that, I think that what appealed to me about Jesus the most was when I began to understand how punk Rocky was like, that was my way in when I realized that he was a button pusher, like I was. (laughs) Right. <laughs> and yeah. And I had to follow him into the compassion, but yeah, yep, he, totally he turns was. right over to these guys and he's like, tell you what, there was another son. <laughs> and listen up. Cause this one's going towards you. Yep. All right. So, let he's it rip. Go- so he's going after the religious leaders here in a roundabout way, telling the parable. And, you know, as you kind of alluded to last week, the religious leaders were always the ones who they felt like, hey, we've been in the house of God all of our lives. We've been studying Torah all our lives. We've been doing all the right things all our lives. And so therefore they felt Mm -hmm. like they deserved the blessing of God. They felt like they deserved the best seats in the synagogue or the places of honor or, you know, the the, uh, uh, love of the people, if you will. And so Jesus goes after them here in letting them know, well, friends, let me tell you something a little bit different. So it says here in verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. So as you see here, here's that teenage girl sitting in the auditorium, deeply jealous of her sister. And we see that coming out. In the religious leaders, and we see Jesus start to come after it here in the parable as he goes after the heart of those religious leaders. And so it says here, but when the son of yours 
who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. So the people of the land were people who had not always done things right. And you talked about this last week, and we've talked about it in previous weeks. And the religious leaders in the first century felt like they were the scum of the earth and that they didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve to be at the same place as the religious leaders did. They just didn't believe that. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to tell you something about your hearts that's messed up and jacked up, and that's keeping people further away from God, as Jesus communicates often to the Pharisees that what he cares most about is people, not what they've done, or even in that moment, what they're doing, right? But their willingness to practice teshuva or to practice repentance and to have a broken and contrite heart. Do you know what you said is really great as far as um, just a, a lot of times they hadn't done life right and they really had messed up. But I bet some of us that work in more urban contexts or with rural poor um, really can understand how not having enough to make ends meet a lot of times Mm -hmm. finds its way into seedy situations or get by habits. Um, You know, I mean, honestly, back then and now, things like prostitution. Yeah are really about money right? Um, for the people trying to get by. Sure. It's not like someone grew up with that dream, right? And mm-hmm. the reality is the people of the land really didn't know where their daily bread was coming from, yeah. and they would do whatever it took to get what they needed to get by. And I'm only saying that because a lot of us work with students where on the surface, we'll look at our kids or or our kids' family systems yeah. and be like, what a train wreck totally. or what dysfunction or man, I don't even know where to begin mm-hmm. with that. But those of you that are in context long enough and have the patience to really open your heart and look at your community, yeah. a lot of times poverty is the culprit, right? And yeah. so Jesus isn't just angry at the He's not just angry at the religious leaders because they've done things right and they think they're great. It's that they don't have the ability to size up the situation and become compassionate as a result. I mean, these people literally have Rome, the Herod, and the temple systems boot on their neck. And Jesus is just not okay with writing them off as wrongdoers. Yeah, totally. Uh, Here's an example. Have you ever gotten upset because there's that kid from that broken family system and they need a full scholarship for camp, but somehow they have an iPhone or somehow they have a car, but they need that full scholarship for camp. Or maybe their parents have a big screen TV or, you know, they've got a tablet or who knows, right? They've got something that costs a lot of money. And you think in your heart, you're like, what the junk? And it makes you, in a way, kind of mm-hmm. not like that kid or yeah. maybe feel a little bit of like disdain towards that kid. And here's the truth, right? Is that they come from a broken family system that's taught them how not to understand money. And in doing so, they operate in that way. And as youth pastors, it's not really our role to try to judge or bring down condemnation upon them. And this is, I feel like what Jesus was trying to address within the Pharisees 
was they had this attitude of, but yeah, they've messed up and they're not doing things right and they need to get their act together. And what the heck, man? Like, what are these people even doing? And a lot of the times, I know I've I've felt that in my own heart towards kids who come from broken family systems. I'm like, what the... Yeah. What the junk are they even doing? Like, what are their parents doing? Like, why are this why why are they asking for a full scholarship? Like, this isn't even right. Like, they just spent 50 bucks on snacks and uh t-shirts and merch at the conference. You know what I'm saying? And I have to remind yep. myself that there's a deeper issue going on here. And the first way to help heal that issue is through invitation and believing in somebody and giving them a chance to grow. Yep. And that Absolutely. takes time. Right. And, and it's not like when the pair, when the lost son came home, he was like, you know, rocking it. It was just the invitation that he could come back home and that he could live with the father and enjoy him. And I'll tell you what, man, when those people in my life, when I screwed up and they've welcomed me with open arms and they've welcomed me with joy in their hearts, it's made me want to do better. And that's the type of attitude we have to have when it comes to our kids who screw up is that we can't be like the Pharisees and be like, well, you, you wait a minute. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. But we have to say, hey, we're so glad you came home. Let's make this thing happen. It's going to be awesome. For sure. Yeah. yeah compassion is compelling. Yes. Like ju- farther judgment is just going to send them running, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because Jesus says here, as he ends the parable, he says, my son, the father mm-hmm. said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Ooh, so double nimshaw. There's the nimshaw, right? There's the nimshaw. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not a ton of super sweet parable hacks in this second half because Jesus is mostly showing up with all of his parable hacks in the first half of the parable, but it's a very poignant, right punch in the gut at the Pharisees and their self-righteous attitude of feeling like they're better than people. And it's a reminder once more that God welcomes all people. And, you know, look at, look at what he said too. I mean, if we're, if we think about the parable hack for symmetry, he's speaking to this side or this character underneath the father. And if we map this onto antiquity, you stayed the whole time in the land of Israel Mm -hmm. at the crossroads of civilization and tried to make the name of God known to the world. Everything I have is yours. All the blessings that come from wise living, all the community that comes from being a part of this faith and tradition, all of the goodness that you probably take for granted, or the fact that you you aren't trying to find seedy ways to get by. Mm-hmm. All of that blessing was with you the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can I tell a story to land the plane today? Yeah. So when I was in high school, this is another story about me and my twin sister. You know, I've always been kind of good about saving money and things like that. And when I was in high school, I was super diligent where I would take $50 of my paycheck and I would spend it on things for myself. And then the rest, I would just put all into savings. So I was able to buy a sweet motor scooter when I was in high school. And then I was also able to buy a car. And so because of that, I was able to do these things that some of my other siblings weren't able to do. Yeah. And my twin sister, it came time where she needed a car, but because she didn't work as much as I did, you know, for different reasons, she didn't have the money saved up for it. So my parents bought her a car. And I was like, again, what? 
what? Right. And so my dad, I remember my dad sent me down and said yeah. to me, he said, Heather, you know, I get it. You're probably upset that your mom and I bought your sister a car, but you have the joy of knowing that you did the hard work and you put what you had into this and that this is your car and that this will be something that you can take with you in life. And at the time I was like, whatever, dad. But yeah, now you have I, to grow into that wisdom. <laughs> right. <laughs> but now I see it. I understand what he's talking about because I see that still in my life 20 years later as part of who I am. That's a valuable yeah. thing. And so, youth pastor, here's the deal. Don't go running around thinking you need to have the same ministry as everybody else or the same uh, salary as the associate pastor or the same retirement as so-and-so or whatever. Don't go running around getting your head wrapped up into that, feeling like you deserve better, like the the religious leaders of the first century. But be glad that God has given you the gifts and the place that you're in and make the most of it and understand that in doing so, God will bless you and um, it'll be good in the long run. Absolutely. Well, that's great. This is a really fun discussion, Heather. Thanks for leading us through the uh, second son and uh, youth pastors, friends, if you want to go farther, faster in leveling up in how you understand the ministry of Jesus and how he discipled in the first century so that you can kind of crack the code on how you disciple students yourself, head to firstcenturyyouthministry.com. Uh, check out the promo material we have for the Israel trip. If you want to walk the land with us and learn in C2 in context Um, and feel free to keep your eyes open for information on the cohort coming up October 1st. Yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see you soon. See you. Bye.